Hello kitties, before we get into our feature presentation, I just want to give you guys a heads up about something cool that's happening this Thursday, April the 7th in Los Angeles. The Secret Movie Club is going to be screening Tales from the Crypt Demon Night at 8pm and our friend Jason will be there with producer Alan Katz and the screenwriters Cyrus Voris and Ethan Reef to do a Q&A after the screening. So if you can be there, uh, tickets are available at secretmovieclub.com. If you see Jason and stroke his beard, he'll give you a free sticker. And now on to our main feature. Hello kiddies, welcome to Dads from the Crypt. <laughs> Boys and ghouls, welcome to episode 37 of Dads from the Crypt, the Tales from the Crypt podcast. My name, is, my name is Jason, and I am joined by Jody. Hello. And Mondo. 37 in a row. 37. I <laughs> promise I haven't been drinking tonight. And tonight we have a special guest. His name is Bob Trait, and he is the program director for Blobfest at the Colonial Theater. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, why don't you tell us about yourself, about the Colonial, and about Blobfest? Uh, I'm the director of programming at the Colonial Theater. So if you want to know what we're showing or what we're going to be showing uh, coming up, I'm the guy to talk to. Um, I have been a uh, Blobfest volunteer for several years, almost 10 now, I think. Um, but I've been uh, one of the planners of Blobfest the last three years. Um, so it's, it's basically like we organize a three-day festival that's the celebration of the movie The Blob from 1958, uh, directed by Shorty A. Uh, Yearworth. And if you didn't know, the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville is actually the movie theater that they come running out of. So that famous run-out scene that you always see in Hollywood montages about movies or science fictions or whatever, we're that theater. Yes, we still look like that to this day. Our marquee is exactly the same. The neon's a little bit different here and there, but it's it's exactly the same. Um, we celebrate the movie. We were actually inside the theater. You can actually see where the blob came out of the projection booth. You can actually go and sit in our balcony for a movie where Steve McQueen came running up to get his friends for help. That's all there. There's several locations in town as well that you can visit the doctor's house, the high school. Um, they're the, besides us, they're the three biggest locations that are still standing. The grocery store and a few others, they're kind of covered up or they're gone now. So it's a three-day festival that celebrates the blob. We do a run out on Friday night, a reenactment of the, the, the escaping patrons. Um, we do not show the movie that night. We do not. We just have a stage show with music acts and some comedians. This year we're having a horror host from Baltimore named Aurora Gorealis. Um, she's going to be there. Yeah, she's she's very good. We we do really like uh, Aurora. And then Saturday we feature the Blob as double features. So we'll do War of the Worlds and the Blob. We'll good. do Invasion of the Body Snatchers and the Blob. We'll also do When Worlds Collide and the Blob. And then on Sunday we'll do the Blob with uh, the Man from Planet X. But 
if that's not your thing and you just kind of want to see it once or something, you can. You don't have to get tickets for the whole thing. But we do have a full street fair, which is just like it's like the little sci-fi B-movie Comic Con. That's All awesome. the stuff is out there. If you want stuff from Creature from the Black Lagoon or the VHS tapes, posters, artwork, all pillows with the blob on it, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Costume contest. It, it went from this little thing where we showed the blob one day and then people started running out afterwards and we're like, well, maybe there's something here. Maybe we should make this a thing, a bigger event. And here we are 23 years later. We did do two years of the pandemic. We did virtual events. But we still like kept it going, and now we're going to be back in person with a full street fair. We're closing down two blocks, have a stage, music acts outside. It's just a lot of fun, and it's it's not pretentious. Like it's everybody is open to the bad jokes that they tell on stage. You know, you're in on the joke. Like, yeah, that was a terrible joke, but I'm laughing because it was so terrible. And everybody's very welcoming, and it's a very family friendly event that you will have the goth guy and the rockabilly guy actually enjoying themselves together, like talking because they have this one thing in common, this movie that they love. It's a shared fandom. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's an amazing thing. And we draw people from all over the world, which still is amazing to me at times. So here's, here's my question. Do you show the, uh, the eighties remake? That's what everybody wants to know. And this year it's been the first time in nine years that we have that we are going to show the 88 version. Ooh. We're going to show it the oh, Friday man. before. Oh, love it. I love 35, that, 35 millimeter. It's 4th of July weekend, the weekend before. We always do it the weekend after the 4th because it's a very slow time. Most people go to the shore and stuff. So we really capitalize on people who want to have something else to do. So we're going to show the blob 88 on 35 millimeter. And then uh, an artist friend of ours, uh, he's known by quilt face, but he's uh, his real name is Chris Garofalo. He's actually going to do a screen printed uh, Blob 88 poster for us. That's oh, cool. So, oh, yeah, Blob, yeah, Chris is, Blob 88, Chris is, I think, was the first like modern horror movie I saw as a kid. So, like, I grew up watching the King Kongs and the Godzilla movies, all the old yeah. ones. And I think that uh, the Blob 88 happened to be on network TV. And I just <laughs> happened to watch it. It was the first like contemporary. Horror movie and it scared the bejesus out of me. I'm telling <laughs> I mean, you, when that even in the edited version, but like also like spoiler alert, they kill the freaking kid in yeah. like yeah. a really like disturbing way. That <laughs> like that, that stuck movie with me. Messed me up in so many ways because I saw it late night on cable, mm-hmm. um, and I I'd never seen the original. But like when the the well, first of all, when the guy goes, you know, to he's making out with Erica oh, yeah. from Baywatch. And he gets his just desserts. That's also a movie from uh, where, so also in the uh, Bordello Blood. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and it's just whew. and there's yeah. so much goriness to that movie, but it's it's so it's, good though, and so much fun, and it really fun. yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really like the whole setup with the guy buying the condoms from the pharmacist, and then you know mm-hmm. points it out, and then he shows up at his to pick up his daughter. Like the whole. It's um but oh, you name? never reach into a, a drain the same way again <laughs> yeah. after after seeing that movie. Yeah. Never, never. Oh it's, it's really, yeah. and then it has like that amazing like stinger at the end, like for a sequel that never happened. I've, oh I've that, that's one of the most horror horrific endings to a movie ever is mm-hmm. him holding the jar with it and it's just like this muscle uh, just pounding. It's like, oh very it's very Stephen King. Well, yeah. <laughs> one of the beauties of that movie was like it was the how do you you you, know, you can fight a huge 
human, right? You can fight mm-hmm. a zombie. How do you fight this uh, uh, this blob? <laughs> you just don't. Yeah. It's all mm-hmm. consuming. And, and much yeah. like Jason, it's one of my earliest uh, horror memories was watching the blob when I was young and just being terrified by it. And then years later, as I got older, seeking out the original and just falling in love with the original too. So uh, also, I was telling them before the show that I told you too that like I, I should be there this year because uh, the the pandemic taught me anything. It's that life short. And I've always, ever since I read about your guys' festival in Rue Morgue magazine many, yeah. moon, many, many moons ago and read about the running out of the theater, I said, I have to do that someday. So I think this year is going to be the it's, year. I've done it two or three. I did it once just, just for fun. My wife and I did it because we had never done it. And then I did it two or three years, I think, now with GoPros and stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you actually go to the Colonial's YouTube page, uh, you can actually see what it's like to run out into the crowd. And I've been on the marquee with cameras and everything. So I've seen it from all different angles. I've even been the guy like doing the airplane, like, you know, directing people because people just go <laughs> anywhere. And you're yeah, like, no, yeah. you got to go all to the right because we've got the roads, you know, cleared <laughs> off for you. It's so much fun. Well, here's it's, the question. Has there ever been a accident with someone running out of the theater? There usually is. We've had a we've never had anything serious, but we've had people who've you know bumped into each other. Mm-hmm. We have people who just throw popcorn and soda. They try to reenact that, you know, there there is there is a woman in the movie, I think, who gets her arm broken. You see her go down and like land on her back. I think she breaks her arm. Um, but there's all kinds of things that people are just it's just good to just head out and just stay like on a, on a path. Just know you, I'm going to go to the right. As soon as I go out, I'm just going to go to the right. Some people walk out, which just, I'm like, why would you do that? You, you should, uh, you should paint little arrows markers on the ground. <laughs> well, we, like I said, we have the airplane guys out there yeah. and then we just kind of try to hype up the audience. Like we had Santa Claus run out in 2019. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have an alien, a big, you know, classic alien head guy and a cape and everything. He runs out every year. Uh, so he's like the professional run out. We've always had the runner, <laughs> but it, it's, it's amazing to me how many people can do it in those like saddle shoes and run right out into the street yeah. and not slip. Cause they're all dressed like Bobby Soxers. So, you know, you're like, how are you doing that? Or they're dressing in the, uh, you know, the, the greaser boots and stuff. So I'm like, I, I would, I would be wearing sneakers. No way. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And it's, it's amazing to see how many people come to watch it. We had a helicopter mm-hmm. from one of the local uh, news stations once covering it from above. That's so that was, awesome. That's just like, and then to see, you know, like now, then they show the helicopter up and you're like, wow, my man, they're really up there. So it's, it, it's, it's something to behold. I really hope you can make it Mondo. Cause it's, it, you, it's like the running of the bulls, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the beauty is for my job. I travel all the time for my job and I get to put everything on my credit card and they pay me back. So I have nice. all these freaking flyer miles. So uh, unless something catastrophic happens, the next, you know, knock on wood, yeah. the next four knock, or five months, I, I should be there. But now that you said that, I'm definitely coming with my wrestling singlet and my luchador mask. Yeah. So, Why not? So, so I can like, run out as a luchador. I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not joking. It's going to happen. <laughs> No, do it. Where I mean, come like do it, do it up. Like we had a photographer who's like, everybody's so just like, yeah, I did it, and you know, nobody's dressed up, nobody's insane. It's just like, come on out and just have a really good time doing. I've wanted to do it as a robot with like uh, fire oh, cool. extinguisher hands and stuff. That'd be so cool. I never have the time to build the outfit or any of that. So I'm just because it just gets so crazy that last week. Yeah. So I never have time to actually suit up. Mondo, Mondo, should I get you a, a dad's the crippled leotard? 
from uh, Redbubble? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't tell you no, but that might stay in the bedroom. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, and for anybody listening, that costs extra for pictures if you want that. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the, we we put on our only dads. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so everyone check that out. Uh, we'll talk about socials uh, at the end, but you know, Colonial Theater, uh, where if tickets are on Eventbrite, I believe. Uh, the tickets are. We sell the tickets on our own website, own website. Um, okay. and the tickets actually go on sale um, for members of the Colonial May twenty sixth at ten a.m. and then for the public on May twenty seventh. And I'm not telling you to join Mon- Mondo to become a member because I know, know you live far away. But those run out tickets go really, really fast. So, uh, it, but you know what, though? If it means supporting an independent uh, mm-hmm. theater, I have no problem spending a few extra bucks. Yeah. Like, it, I, I, I think you just look at it that way. Like, you guys are keeping independent cinema and keeping really cool events like this alive. That uh, There's not a whole lot of independent theaters anymore in the United States. And it's really nice to see. Yeah, no, and, and the pandemic killed a lot of them, yeah, too. Right. A lot of the ones that were we, – we were lucky enough. We have what we call like the blob flag, like that we can fly that up. And people know where we are. They know who we are, and they're willing to help out. Like the guys from Trailers from Hell were helping us spread the word. Oh, cool. Uh, Rue Morgue, you know, um, you know uh, Bloody Disgusting. They were out there and they were helping us get word out when we started to go fund me to keep us keep our lights on to keep, you know, yeah. the, everything going. So having that connection to movie history really has helped us out and helped us survive where a lot of places just don't have that. They're mom and pop. They're trying to make ends meet. They don't have any connection, um, you know, and if the community, you know, if they can't reach outside their community, they weren't going to make it. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you guys are still kicking because, you, like you said, a lot of places still aren't. No, yeah. no. Yeah, I've, been, I've been jealous of a good friend of ours, Joe Ferry, who lives in your area and goes to the Colonial all the time because he's all the time telling me about events and movies he's seen there. And I'm just very jealous that I only have an AMC 30 minutes away from me <laughs> in my part of the world. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm very sad. <laughs> I was in I was in Philly for work, and it just happened to be when the hurricane hit. Because uh, oh, my, my okay. goal was to come down and see you guys and try to catch a movie at your theater, but uh, I didn't want to take an Uber in flooding waters to come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were we were hit too. Like yeah. there was there were places of us, and I think our power went out at one point for a little bit. But a lot of our neighborhood got really flooded, uh, and then we even had a, a um, like a re- relief concert for one of the towns. It was like a little town, just like right across the bridge. So we we still consider that part of our community. Um, but some of those people were just completely washed out. Uh, so, yeah, you don't think in PA you're going to get hit with a hurricane, then it matters. You know, that, oh, it's a hurricane. You know, no. And it really hurt. Oh, uh, it hurt a lot of people in our town. I was staying in a hotel by the airport, and we probably got it the least, and it was still pretty intense. So I, was, I could only, could only imagine what some of the surrounding communities got. So, um, well, glad yeah. you guys could do that. That's, that's super cool. Yeah, we, we, we try to do a lot. We've had a lot of people do stuff for us in the last few years, so we try to reach out and help out as many of the community, um, you know, organizations that we can. We've got, like, screenings for Gaslight coming up, 1944, nice. for, you know, oh, Domestic nice. uh, Awareness Month and, that, and you know, those kind of things. So it's, it's you know, I don't want to say it's fun for us to program those kind of movies, but it's nice that you can take a movie and make people aware of, you know, other things and how it ties to that film, especially Gaslight. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, before we get to our review, um, just a little business. 
Uh, we hope everyone's been enjoying uh, the new podcast we uh, have on our stream. Alan Katz's uh, How Not to Make a Movie, The Making of Bordello Blood. When this comes out, the first two episodes should be out. Um, and uh, there's more to come. Hope everyone's enjoying it. I, I've already heard the first two, and I think they're really informative, really interesting, and the very from the heart production. So um, hope everyone's enjoying that. Yeah, if you, um, if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, uh, it's it's really cool. Support support Al with this. It's really cool. And mm-hmm. it's cool to kind of see through his lens the making of this movie that nobody wanted to make, um, mm-hmm. as he put in his own words, and his interviews with his friends and how they got certain things done. He talks somewhat about Tales from the Crypt and how season three, how they're ready to can the show until – a, 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 I guess a, a chance well, meeting they yeah. had. So a, a lot of really cool stories on that. And uh, I think everyone's going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of Al and Mondo, you can cut this out um, if it doesn't work out, but uh, there's going to be a screening of Demon Knight um, in Los Angeles uh, through the, uh, oh, what should I call it? It's on the 7th. It's on the 7th. Through the Secret Movie Club, I believe it's called. Yeah, are you, are, right. are, Jason, are you going? Okay, so again, you can cut this out because I still haven't finalized everything. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I just want to drop. I just want to drop it in, and if for some reason the whole thing falls through, because I'm still like back I, and forth with someone. If, if I fly out there, can I stay at your house? Hell yeah! Oh, okay. I was going to say a joke, but now that you said that, eh, I have I have flyer miles, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. So again, I want to talk about it, but for some reason, because I've been bouncing emails back and forth with a guy, or he hasn't, yeah. So we haven't like finalized. I, I, I tell you what, Jason, we'll we'll cut this part out, um, and then um, we'll add something in if you can make it happen. I know you're trying to do some okay. cool stuff with it, like with uh, with Ethan and Cyrus. Yeah. Um, so where do they screen the Secret Movie Club? Because that sounds familiar. It's different places each time. Okay. Like how they rent out different things. So. I think I went to one of their screenings of Roger Rabbit when I lived out there. Oh, that's so yeah, cool. that sounds like some that's sounds like awesome. something they would do. Well, we were just so, talking about how that's like an original film noir when you only think about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's oh, yeah. it's it's the third uh, Chinatown movie because you have Chinatown, Two Jakes, and then you have Roger Rabbit. Oh, wow, yeah. wow, that's cool. And, yeah, and my direct my director gave me permission to run all three, and I told her I was like, I can't because it's a Disney movie, and we can't run Disney <laughs> oh, yeah. right now. And she's like, "What?" And she's like, "This like seventy year old woman. <laughs> she's really upset that she wants to see Chinatown, The Two Jakes, and Roger Rabbit all in one afternoon." Cool. <laughs> okay, so okay, well, well, we can record something and and do a drop in then if it does work out. Okay, so we'll just add this whole thing out. So okay, <laughs> tonight we will be discussing. Sorry, I said we'll edit this whole thing. <laughs> okay, start backing over. Okay, so tonight we will be discussing Tales from the Crypt episode Split Second, which premiered on August 7th, 1991. Jody, give us a plot synopsis. All right, so we open on the Crypt Keeper in flannel, sharpening an axe, rocking that. Uh, did they still say lumber sexual? Is that still a thing? <laughs> I was going to say very, uh, very 90s grunt. Very uh, '90s grunge. Wait, wait, hold a second. Yeah. What that's is a lumber? thing? I've never heard that term. No, what that's, does that mean? Really? Yeah. It's uh, the the sexy lumberjack look, the men in the flannel shirts and the big beards. It, that was really popular oh, for a while there. You know, like you me in the fall. That phrase. It's, it's, just, I need it, a, it's cold here. Is it is it different from being a bear? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think a bear is just without the flannel. <laughs> 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 a bear right. a, a bear you just you just you just 
coif your chest hair as opposed to wearing the clothing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're just in the intro of this so far. We're off the rails uh, already. This might be a record. This is excellent. <laughs> All right. So uh, in the beginning of this episode, we meet a waitress named Liz, and we get to hear her inner monologue. She lives in a logging town. She feels stuck there. She's bored. She doesn't have any money. And while she's waitressing one night, one of the loggers named Banjo tries to flirt with her, and he starts getting aggressive with her because she doesn't uh, respond the way he wants. And then this man shows up. He pulls a gun on Banjo. They kind of tussle, and he demands an apology. And uh, seeing the men fight kind of gets Liz going. It, uh, she drinks and dances with the man who saved her. And he proposes, and they get married right away that night. They have like a 15-minute courtship of a couple beers and a couple dances. Which they find out pretty soon they're not very compatible, but we'll get to that. Uh, the man's name is Steve. He's the owner of a logging camp. He has lots of money. And uh, one of the rules of the camp is no women, but uh, he makes an exception because he's the boss. And uh, so the, the men are sitting around talking about Steve getting married. And uh, Liz kind of has a reputation of uh, being with a lot of the men in town. Uh, there are two main loggers uh, that we'll be talking about named Snaz and Artie. Uh, but they're going to have to move to a different part of the forest to do some logging. And Liz walks in wearing short shorts and a tank top. And the men all start staring. And Steve instantly goes nuts. He starts getting jealous. He tells her to stay away. He tells the men to act like a gentleman. Snaz jokes about her reputation. But Steve thinks it was Artie and beats the hell out of him. Just punching him. Takes, what, what is that thing he shoves in his mouth? Some big pole thing. Mouth's bleeding. <laughs> So they've like learned the very quickly. Chair. I was like, yeah. who's that? So it's, uh, you, you learn very quickly. You don't mess with Steve about Liz. Don't mess with uh, Steve or he'll shove a pole in your mouth. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Liz is angry about uh, Steve getting jealous, though. And they have sex. But Steve's outburst has made Liz bored with the whole relationship. This is literally the day after they got married, by the way. She's already bored. <laughs> She's tired of this. Had enough of this man. And... Uh, so a new guy named Ted shows up looking for a job and Liz talks with him a little bit and you can tell she's into him. Uh, he, Steve takes Ted down for like an audition and uh, Steve doesn't use a chainsaw. He uses an ax and uh, he stands on this huge tree trunk and chops it with the ax. And I felt very tired just watching this man. It seemed exhausting. <laughs> Liz, however, feels very different watching this man. <laughs> you, uh, are, she, are you saying you and, you and Liz are having different? You, you guys were not having a very different age. reaction. Okay, I, I'm having the 40 year old man reaction. Thinking, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, like, my back. Yeah, his back. My back terrible <laughs> after this. And I was like, safety, man. You watch yourself. Uh, but Liz, Liz is having some very different feelings, and she starts staring. And uh, Steve sees her, but he, he hires he hires uh, Ted anyway. Uh, the other men are really excited because they're going to help him win, or he's going to help them win a lumberjack tournament. So That's later okay. on, Ted comes to the house looking uh, for Liz because Liz says she needed to move a box. And uh, he's trying to find her. She says, I'm up here. Walks in, it's the bathroom, and she's in the shower. Uh, she asks him to get a towel, asks him to dry her back, and then drops the towel and turn around. And so she's trying to seduce him. She kisses him, but. Uh, Ted resists. Ted's like, I don't want to mess with this. This is not something I want to get into. He drops a work glove as he kind of runs out of the place. And at the bar, he's telling the other guys he doesn't know what to do. He's like, I'm thinking about leaving, uh, but the other guys convince him to stay. 
uh, while they're talking, Steve comes up behind them and breaks a mug on the table, just explodes the thing and accuses one of them with cheating with Liz because he found that work glove. He's yelling at them and they say like, man, you're, this woman is driving you crazy. And Ted decides, you know what? I, I got to get out of here. Someone's going to get hurt. This is more heat than I want. I just wanted a job. And, but while he's packing, Liz walks in and again, she tries to seduce him. He resists, uh, but eventually she kind of has her way and they, they start to have sex, but Steve walks in on them and uh, Liz immediately turns and says that she was forced into it. Um, Steve grabs Ted, throws him all around the room, literally just picks him up and throws him like Carlton being thrown out of the house on the Fresh Prince. <laughs> but, sorry, oh, sorry, hold on. We're, we're going to talk, we're gonna we talk about the that. Fresh Prince. Hold on, that wasn't Carlton, that was DJ Jazzy Jeff. Getting oh, that's right, okay, that's right. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> or, uh, or Norm MacDonald getting thrown out of buildings in the movie Dirty Work. That is true. <laughs> anyway, he gets thrown all over the place, and then uh, Steve grabs an axe hits him in, upside the head twice with the blunt end and then just, like, knocks him on the ground and hits him with that axe again. Uh, Ted ends up blind from that beating. Permanent blindness. The other Lumberjacks tell Ted that he's going to be all right. They're going to teach him how to use a chainsaw, even though he's blind. And uh, it kind of makes him feel better. He's out there. He's doing some work. He's smiling. He's enjoying himself. And uh, meanwhile, the men take Steve by knife point. And uh, we don't really see what happens to him, but they tell Ted he has some more logs to cut with the chainsaw. And so there's two big, like, tree trunks that are standing upright. And Ted starts to cut through one of the big logs, and there's, you know, a sawdust spraying everywhere. But then, mixed in with the sawdust, blood starts spraying everywhere. And the men are all cheering. They're all covered with blood. Ted's covered with blood. And then we see that Steve is bound and gagged inside the hollowed out log. And he's being just chopped to bits with his chainsaw. Uh, Ted cuts the log into four equal chunks and the men knock them over with all of uh, Steve's parts inside. <laughs> and uh, then we look over and we see another log. And in that log, Liz is gagged in the next log waiting for her turn. We go out on the Crypt Keeper. Uh, attacking one of his producers, he says, who wants final cut. And uh, I found out that producer actually is Joel Silver, uh, one of the actual producers of Tales from the Crypt, uh, uh, getting sawed in half by the Crypt Keeper in the end. So, yeah, I, was wondering, I was wondering about who that was. Yeah, I know. I looked it up. I had to find that out if it was actually. I want to make sure it wasn't somebody we've talked to because we've talked to so many producers lately. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was uh, Joel Silver, so one of the big guys. That's awesome. All right, Bob, you're our guest, so you can start us off. What did you think of this episode? Um, well, thanks for the the journey down memory lane because I'm going, yeah, I've seen the one with Brian James because I, I, for some reason I don't think he's has a fan club. If he does, I hope yeah. he does. But, you know, for me, he's always the guy from Blade Runner and mm -hmm. the president of the United States. But then whenever he shows up as, like, you know, the, the bad guy's henchman, you know, the right-hand man. I'm like, yeah, it's Brian James. You know, I love that. <laughs> Tango and Cash. He's fantastic in Tango and Cash. He saves that movie on so many levels. <laughs> um, but I I got right to the uh, Billy Worth from Lost Boys. As soon as he showed mm -hmm. up, the entire episode was awakened in my head. And I remembered exactly how it ended. And I turned to my wife and I said, have you seen this one? She goes, no. And I go, oh, wait till we get to the end. <laughs> Um, I thought it was. I thought it was a, a very. Um, I mean, it wasn't the best episode of Tales from the Crypt. It has, you know, it has the big finale to it. But I kind of felt like it was a very compact 
fast paced episode. Like we just get, like you said, it's all in like one day and it's, you know, all of a sudden, Oh, he's, she's bored with him already. And it's just a boom, 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 boom. So I, I just felt like you were getting like a, a really like a, a blast of like jolt cola. And then you were like, okay, uh, I got to watch another tales from the crypt. And, and immediately afterwards I was like, Oh, the one with Demi Moore is on this too. So I'm like, maybe I'll go to that one next. I just felt like it gave me such a great taste for tales from the crypt again. Mm-hmm that I really wanted to watch more, which I'm sure, you know, I know you guys are doing it. Um, I think overall, I just felt like it was just too compact for a, a, a whole, like, Tales from the Crypt satisfaction kind of story. Like, um, I believe Nine, is it Nine Lives, the one with um, Joey Pantalone? That's uh, like, um, Dig That Cat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, that one is just, it's, it's like a twilight zone. It's satisfying at the end mm-hmm. when you get to it. This is a satisfying, like kill, like the, he got his comeuppance. Uh, they both did, but I kind of felt like story wise, I kind of felt like I just needed more from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, that, that was just how I felt. Like I, I enjoyed watching Brian James. I love seeing him as the good guy. And then, and then all mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm-hmm. this jackass but and yeah, he's, like, he's so untrusting. And I felt like. Quote- he, the quote nice guy is like, Oh, I saved you. Now let me buy you a drink. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're like, Oh God. Yeah. He, t- he tips I, his fedora to them. In a it, it, yeah. <laughs> but it, it was, you know, he was, he was really, you know, it was Brian James. He, he was great. Um, and I felt like this, uh, the, the lead, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting her name at the moment. Uh, um, Michelle Michelle Johnson. Johnson. I'm like, why? Have, like suddenly like, I'm like, I had to look her up. I'm like, why have I not seen her in anything else? Like, she just did not look familiar at all. And this show at that time, they were just, they were getting everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and if you weren't somebody, you became somebody. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of felt like, where, where, where did she go? Or where did she come from? Like to be there and gone, you know, it just, it felt that that was a little weird. And I recognized, you know, all the other cast members like right away. So mm-hmm. You know, as an episode goes, it it was a. I remember watching it when I was a kid. I was sitting on my parents' bed because that's where the HBO was. <laughs> Whatever reason, you know, my dad was like, you know, my dad was not a horror guy at all. Like he never showed me horror movies, but he was some reason he was like, "Hey, you're gonna like this show. It's kind of like the Twilight Zone and Amazing Stories." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and I, you know, I was you know 14 years old, and I'm watching Tales from the Crypt. And I'm like, "Woohoo!" <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I don't think my dad was actually watching the show. You know, we watched the one with Joey, Joey Pants, and then we watched the uh, the Santa Claus one uh, yep. that Zemeckis directed, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. all right. through the house. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Like, then he just, like, let me go. And now this became my show, you know, to watch it whenever it was on. So, I overall, it was it was fun to go back into the world. I, I just want more now. But that's what I felt like this episode was. It was like that taste. You, yeah. you need that yeah. that taste of Tales from the Crypt, and you want another one after it. So you know, not the best, not the worst. You know, fun to see Brian James again, especially because he passed away not too long ago, and I don't think I've seen him in anything mm-hmm. outside of Blade Runner. He passed um, away. I just watched. He passed away like in 99 or something like that. Oh, was it? I, I was okay. looking him up, and he passed away super young, like in his early 50s, uh, surprisingly, because – you know, he has those classic, the eyes, right? Like, he's oh, yeah. so good with yeah. the eyes. And he definitely hammed it up for this. But I, I wanted to look him up because like, I know I've seen him in a million things, like Fifth Element and whatnot. Um, right. But also, I was super surprised because his last credit was 2004, I think, on IMDb. Yeah. But he died in 99. He died in 99, yeah. 
wow. Yeah, just seeing him in Blade Runner, uh, we just we just ran that not too long ago. Oh, uh, for the for the fortieth, yeah, I want to say fortieth, fortieth anniversary. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he comes up, you know, as as I uh, Leon, and I'm yeah. just like, there he is, you know, and he, <laughs> he's just so good, and he gives you that really quick, you know. A, a, taste of what a replicant is like you know and he wants four years to live you know and Rucker Howard's story is obviously much longer but his is he conveys a lot in a very short amount of time yeah, and I, just, I wish there were it. better parts for him that we could have seen him you know be more than just a bad guy because usually that's what he is and that's why I love the fifth element with him so much because mm-hmm. uh, he's just the president of the United States or the president of the world or whatever it is uh, I'm gonna upset some people here but I absolutely love Blade Runner and I will say that Blade Runner 2049 is better than Blade Runner. Ooh. I know. I know. It, <laughs> I, 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 I watch it. So what, my, my story of that movie is I used to have that movie pass, the the, the credit card that they went out yeah. of business like after a year. Because mm-hmm. traveling, <laughs> yeah, traveling for work, I like to go watch movies when I travel because I don't have much else to do. So I'll go watch a movie. So I watched Blade Runner 2049 on one night. The next night I watched the movie Jigsaw. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And then I watched Blade Runner again after that because I had to cleanse my palate. And uh, I just fell in love with 2049. And again, someone's, I know people will be mad at this, but it's not a knock on Blade Runner. Blade Runner is, fuck, one of my favorite movies of all time. But I just absolutely thought that Blade Runner 2049 was just something just clicked right for me. No, oh, hey, I mean, you can love it it's it's i love it too i just think they're two different films oh definitely, and they're connected definitely. obviously but i you know i wouldn't i wouldn't when i saw it the first time 2049 i didn't compare it to the other one i just felt like okay i got more story i'd yeah. set in that world mm-hmm. and i was fine with it you know i the only thing i didn't quite like was they kind of ended it the same way yeah um which you know i understand but i'm not crying for ryan gosling i still cry for rucker howard you know i i don't you know i just and maybe it's because it's Ryan Gosling. I'm not crying for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, but Mondo, Howard, I'm crying. Mondo, what did you think of this episode? Um, I liked it, but uh, much in the same vein as Bob here. I thought it was kind of middle of the road. I, again, I think we've been spoiled by season three. Season three being such a good season with all these great episodes that this one just feels like uh, again, like Bob said, that was just kind of unfinished. It was just a. I, I never felt like you had that three act sequence of like you, you never had that real climax. It was just kind of just stagnant acro- across the whole way. Um, uh, I do think it's funny at the beginning. She says that all she wants is a bus ticket out of that place. How much does a fucking bus ticket cost in this place? Because right, like <laughs> like it, you can exactly. make that a day on tips. And and I also look at this as I'm watching when she gets married and now she has uh, obviously has some kind of money. I guess. She could have sold some jewelry, gotten a bus, and gotten out of there, and none of these bad things ever would have happened. He's a lumber. He owns a lumberjack company. They don't have a car that she can use right. to go. And even right. like, I don't want you hanging around, everybody. Here's my credit card. Go buy some clothes. Go buy some new dishes. Go buy some. Just do something. Not here. And then she yeah. could have disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking about all of that, and it kind of weirded me out. But it also reminded me, in, in a happy way, uh, did anybody ever, like when they were younger, because I think we're all around the same age, watching those old, like, you'd be up at midnight on a school night because you couldn't go to sleep. You'd pop a TV on, and you'd see those old lumberjack competitions. Oh, yeah. yeah. ESPN2. <laughs> oh, never. That's, uh, Mondo, that's not the late night TV I thought you were going to, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> 
hey, Jason, I try to keep it as a wholesome show. Come on. Get your uh, mind okay, yeah. out of the gutter. <laughs> uh, sure, sure. <laughs> but that's what it reminded me of, too, because I still love going to ESPN, cool. too, and just seeing the most ridiculous sports. Like, they would show Magic the <laughs> Gathering competitions. Oh, my I, God. <laughs> and I love Magic the Gathering. Don't get me wrong. I, I really do. I'm not saying that sarcastically. Uh, but, like, I don't need to see it on ESPN, too. But I still love watching <laughs> right. the old Strongman competitions. Yes. And the Lumberjack competitions. And that's what it reminded me of. Um, the log yeah. tossing. What's that? The log tossing. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's actually the a... spinning. The spinning. See, now I'm starting to remember. Yeah, spinning, spinning on the spinning uh, back the logs, and forth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's always some, uh, some cool stuff they do on that. That's what it reminded me of. Uh, I thought the setting was really cool. The scenery is really cool. Um, all the actors, again, we talk all the time about how you have to understand the assignment if you're coming to do an episode of Tales from the Crypt, and everyone got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd probably say Ted might have been the most dramatic out of all of them, and maybe try mm-hmm. to play to play it straight to a fault where it came off yeah, over the top. Yeah, he, he was a little too much. Yeah. I, well, I think because you have a choice, right? You either go full over the top, or you or you or you go full serious. There's no in between. And he was kind of in between, like he couldn't kind of quite figure out where he was supposed to go with his role. Uh, but still, whatever. It, it didn't it didn't take away that much from me. I think the story was a little bit lacking as far as like like Bob said, the climax and everything. It just felt very stagnant. Uh, but the end, everyone got theirs, I guess. But like, man, this dude Ted just signed on to be a uh, a lumberjack. And now everyone's just down to put these other people in the trees and hollow the trees out. That was a lot of work. Yeah, I'm wondering how do you <laughs> hollow a tree that big out? Is that a thing? That and is do? was it? Were they still rooted? Like that's the other thing. Like I don't yeah. remember looking yeah. down so far. So did they drill? Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a logistical issues with this one. Yeah, you know, it's a I don't, really uh, elaborate setup <laughs> that more than I think those guys have put into it. This is also a town where late at night after work at the bar in the Pacific Northwest, somewhere out in the woods, you can find someone to marry you so that you wake up the next morning married. <laughs> Things happen. Okay. Sometimes you haul out logs. Sometimes you get married 1130 at night well, out in the if, woods. If a mummy and a two-headed man can find a, a blind priest in the middle of the night. So I, I've worked at some remote places in the Pacific Northwest. And if you have more than eight teeth, you could probably be married by the morning. So I'll just put it that way. <laughs> I'm not naming names of towns. I'm looking at you. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I could definitely see that part. Don't but, beseech yeah. my old town of Beaverton, Oregon. Oh, then Beaverton. Okay. Okay. Did you guys have a lot of beavers? No, never saw one. As per- <laughs> see, see, that's some bullshit. Like. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be like, that'd be like living in a country called Greenland, and it's just a bunch of ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Jody, what did you think of this episode? All right, I'm gonna buck the trend a little bit because I, I really enjoyed this one. This to me felt like old school EC comics. It's nasty. It's exploitive. It has all the tropes. You know, you got this manipulative femme fatale. You got this crazy insecure man. Uh, you got revenge. I mean, this this is all just like. If somebody was wanting to do kind of like a paint by numbers version of an EC comic story, you got all the elements here. And then for the show, add in some more violence, some more blood and boobs. And you've definitely got like a just straight down the middle um, Tales from the Crypt episode. It is exactly what you expect. It's it's the episode 
that they're fake filming at the beginning of Demon Night. You know, it's just <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. It's 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 gore and, and violence and sex. And uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, this is the prototypical episode that your parents yeah. warned you about. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is what people think of when they think of Tales from the Crypt. You know, we've watched a ton. We know there's a lot of variety, but this is the kind of stuff people think of. Uh, but I I really like it. Uh, you know, I like uh, the voiceover gave it kind of this cheesy noir feel that uh, I kind of dig. Uh, and I also love ev- everyone in this episode ends up being a maniac in some way. Like <laughs> that's true. Even, yeah. even the protagonist against other lumberjacks at the end, they yeah. thought it was totally cool. Like, you know what we should do? Yeah. Put these fuckers in hollowed out logs. And let's, let's <laughs> slice everyone these motherfuckers up. Yeah, how, how does that conversation happen? So snaz. So I had an idea. Snaz. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, right now, Will Smith's probably having conversations with his people. Like, how do we get this guy in a log? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like, okay. So Steve is a maniac who the first time someone like glances at his wife, he shoves like a chair leg down his throat. Uh, the Liz, her whole thing, like, it's not even about sex. She's just trying to stir up drama because she's bored. So she's willing to, like, have all this craziness happen around her. And then at the end, these two just random guys are, like, giggling with glee as blood covers their face <laughs> and their boss is chopped up with a chainsaw. I just love how over the top it is. It's it's a completely nutty episode, you know. Is it probably a little bit of a sexist episode because this lady is like the cause of all evil? We don't allow women. Look what happens. Uh, maybe, but it's so over the top. Oh, I wow. Kind of yeah, and the, I never uh, thought of it that way. And they also like say, she's making you crazy. She's like, making you crazy. She's which the is, problem. Yeah, they're blaming it on her. Like, no, you're making yourself crazy. Uh, y- well, y- I mean, you mentioned that Steve was a maniac. Um, would you also say he was a maniac on the dance floor? <laughs> I mean, they did dance. <laughs> Well, he, I don't think he was a maniac then. At the very beginning, he seemed like a pretty decent guy, even though he was putting a gun up to someone's head when we first met him. So maybe he's always, maybe he was ready to snap. He he might have been. I'm glad we didn't see that guy at the at the at the at his lumber camp because I've been like, why didn't you just tell your employee you're being a jerk? I'm gonna, right. You know, you're yeah. fired. I'm glad he wasn't an employee. <laughs> Under his head. No, Ban- Banjo was just there with one of the other logging companies in the yeah. area. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What else are you gonna do when you work up there? I like what you said about about uh, about her and the the voiceover mm-hmm. and the femme fatale because I got like I'm really into film the war at the moment for work and I'm like wow it's really she's doing the voiceover and everything. But I kind of felt like it it flipped the script. The woman had the power and she yeah. was controlling everything. And granted, she was evil. We can just right. straight up evil. I mean, she- but it was different, especially in the in the 90s, to see something like that. To, yeah. to be yeah. that in the face. She was controlling everybody. But- and then Billy Worth was a boy toy. Like he was straight right. up oh, yeah. an object of her affection. So I thought that was different, which is, you know, what I think Tales from the Crypt did a lot of times. They, yeah, they put that's cool. The well, and even, even though Steve's out here beating the hell out of everyone. Like he's not actually the real villain of this episode. The real no. villain is Liz. She's yeah. behind it all. She's the mastermind. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm going to jump in, and I liked the narrative, the uh, the mon- the monologuing she did, narrating. Problem. The problem is that they stopped with it, yeah. and they, she she didn't have anything like in the last couple of minutes. If they would have kept that, and if you could hear 
her in their monologue as this guy's about to chainsaw her into four oh, pieces. She, she does. She, she does. says yeah, at least he bit. found a way uh, to to stop the boredom or something like that. Okay. She says something okay, to that yeah. effect. Okay. But you're right. There is a, a point where she does kind of not doesn't say anything for a while, and then we don't hear it again until the very end. Right. Yeah, I think if they would have kept that more, it would have kind yeah. of kept it a little more cohesive because sure. this episode is just going so fast, there's no room to breathe. Um. My, yeah, I didn't love this episode. I mean, yeah, it's a banger of an ending because yeah, I remember seeing that as a kid and that left an impression. But I don't remember anything else about this episode. I just remember, I just remember that one scene. But I guess my problem with this episode is that it re- it felt like a Skinamax episode up until like the last minute. <laughs> how like, much? How much Skinamax did you watch? Like <laughs> <laughs> an appropriate amount for uh, <laughs> a '90s kid. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I, I don't remember blood and guts and skin and max, but just saying. No, I'm saying like everything right up to that point okay. felt like you know oh a bunch of you know manly men off in the woods, and then you know the hot wife, and there's like you know casual nudity, but not over the top nudity. Um, it it just felt more like a skin and max episode, right? But with a tales of the crypt ending. Um, and yeah, the acting was pretty good. Yeah. T- the Ted character was kind of a wet blanket a little bit. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of good character actors. So this was directed by Russell McKay. Um, He did a ton of music videos mm-hmm. from Billy Joel, Paul McCartney, Duran Duran, Bonnie Tyler, uh, Queen, Elton John. And then he went on to direct movies such as Highlander 2, The Shadow. Oh, he directed Highlander as well. Oh, the first Highlander? Okay. Oh, yeah. Um <laughs> He did like the, the Teen Wolf TV show. Um, he directed Resident Evil Extinction, and he also actually went on to do four, uh, uh, three more episodes of Tales of the Crypt. So he has a great resume. Uh, you uh, guys are the experts. Uh, how, who has the most episodes directed for Tales from the Crypt? That seems that, like a lot. Like that, yeah, thing. that has to be up there. I'd have to look. Okay. I have to look at the the whole um, series. That has to be at least tied. I can't imagine anyone did more the more than that. Yeah, because they like to rotate their their people around yeah. enough mm-hmm. that I can't imagine somebody came back many more times than that. I just yeah, thought Z- Zemeckis would would have had you know there's always something that he was trying new or different that he probably would have been up there like think, at three or four. Uh, again, I top my head, mm-hmm. the only the only ones I can think of were uh, all through the house and the yellow. I'm not sure if he did others. He but produced a lot. I don't know if he, he did produced a lot. But yeah. The, yeah. All right. Um, we were talking about Byron James, but yeah, I remember him most from uh, Fifth Element. I think. He, he was was he the the general president? But he's the president. Okay. No, 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 he wasn't. You're right. You're right. I keep saying he's president. No, he was the general. Yeah, because um, he, he had like that weird kind of. Tiny Lester was the president. Tiny okay. Lester was. That's president. right. Uh, Zeus. Zeus. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> no holds barred. Yep. Um, Liz is played Debo. by Michelle Johnson. She had she has an interesting resume. I, I would love to see her do more. She was in Waxwork, dude. I I love Waxwork so much. It's a great. Movie. I think that's such an underrated horror gem. That's mm-hmm. I fucking love that movie. Um, she did Death if, if you guys her. haven't seen it, go out of your way to see it. I'm not exaggerating on that. Like, yeah, yeah, it's silly fun. <laughs> yeah, I think that's on. That's definitely one, but on my list, um, Death Becomes Her, which is just a great '90s. Mm-hmm. Also, that people. was also Zemeckis too. So yeah. mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. where he spotted her um, was here, and she also was in Doctor Giggles a year later. Um, 
Who's, which was directed by Manny Cotto, who did the previous episode. I, I think as a podcast, we may have talked about Dr. Giggles the most of any podcast ever. Because <laughs> I feel like at least once every other week we talk about Dr. Giggles. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've been on Dr. Giggles kick lately. I love that. We're, we're actually going to talk. There's another Dr. Giggles comparison that we're going to make in a minute. Okay. Uh, Billy Worth. Again, who is he in Lost Boys? He's the dark-haired one? Yeah, just one of the vampires. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how he gets it. He's like, you killed, you killed Marco. Okay, he's just one of the other vampires. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't say much. He's not like the blonde haired one that gets. uh, That's a Billy Winters. Yes. He's the, well, he's the curly blonde haired one. Then there's the straight. They call him the twisted sistered one. There you go. I like that. Um, He was also in Body Snatchers, kind of a invasion of the Body Snatchers kind of redo. Yeah. The Um, 90s one. And then Snaz, I kind of love Snaz. Um, he's played by Dan Martin. He has a great resume. He was in uh, the Stand miniseries. He was in Beverly Hills Cop 3. He was in Heat. But he was also in Leprechaun 5 in The Hood. Hey, and Sleepwalkers. <laughs> oh, and Sleepwalkers, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, overall, especially for the episodes in this season, I mean, if this was like a season six or seven episode, I'd probably rate it higher because just because what it's compared by. <laughs> but being in season three, it's just kind of middle of the road for me. Uh, banger of an ending, but overall, it just doesn't really gel. Um, but one of the really interesting things is, Mondo, you usually often bring up the composers, but um, I happened to was uh, look at this one, and it was composed by Brian May. Now, it's not the Brian May from Queen. <laughs> and if you, Again, if you listen to my Manny Cutto interview, um, I bring up the fact that Dr. Giggles is also composed by Brian May. And I totally in the interview thought it was the guitarist from Queen. <laughs> it turns out, no, it's just another composer with the exact same name. Um, he's a renowned Australian composer who did uh, Road Warrior, Mad Max, mm-hmm. um, and Freddy's Dead. Ooh, okay. So, unfortunately, he's passed away, but shout out to Brian May. <laughs> more Dr. Giggles in the same more Dr. Giggles. Yeah. I'm all for it. I just want to do a podcast that's dedicated to the works of Larry Drake. Yes, that might have to be a, that might have to be a thing. I have to give you my nerd card. I've never seen Doctor Giggles. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's great. It's good '90s fun. You know when it, when, I, it, when it came out, it's kind of one of those slashes that slid under the radar. But man, it's got yeah. some good. It's got some really good stuff in it. I love Larry Drake in Dark Man. Like yeah. Darkman, mm-hmm. one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite movies. He's so yeah. good in that movie. Uh, what a villain, right? Like just such co- so cold and callous, and that perfect sneer with the cigar. Yeah. Ugh, oh, so good. And the, I never look at a cigar cutter oh. ever without uh, thinking of Eddie Black. Ever, same yeah. ever. Such, such <laughs> he's so good in that movie. I think if you enjoy those old 90s kind of, uh, I wouldn't even say goofy. It was actually a pretty yeah. nasty slasher for its time. Um, I think Dr. Giggles is a super underrated movie that well, like more people should watch. Well, that's so funny. It's an, it's, it could be a nasty slasher, but then like they bring in this like almost like the mask kind of, yeah. kind of moments where he has like a syringe that's like four feet long. Yeah, but that's, that's why like, I love it. Okay, well, no, that, that's what's so great because it's so serious <laughs> with all these crazy gags. We're, we're definitely doing an episode of Dr. Eagles at some point yes. because I have, uh, <laughs> uh, I want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jody, why don't you give us a comic comparison? 
All right. Uh, Shock Suspense Stories number four is where this one came from. This is the August-September 1952 issue. Script by Al Feldstein, one of the founders, and art by Jack Common, who we've talked about before. And as I talk about this, like I'm, I think this is why I ended up enjoying this episode so much. Because of the ones that we've done, this is probably the most faithful adaptation mm-hmm. of the story of any of them. So this is why I say this one felt like an AC Comics story. You know, a lot of times they kind of take it as inspiration and then just run with it and do their own thing. They added a little sex and violence, but other than that, it's the same story. Um, some lines are actually lifted directly from the comic, too. Like uh, when um, Steve says, you know, on my time, you hack paywood instead of, you know, doing all the, uh, the tournament stuff. That's a direct line from the comic. Uh, when uh, Ted gets nervous about Steve, uh, Liz says, don't mind him. I don't directly from the comics. So this is this is an EC comic story brought to life. Um, there's a few minor differences. The whole thing about Ted's preference for an axe versus a chainsaw isn't there because everyone uses axes. 1952, a little more old school. Uh, Ted does manage to fully resist her advances because uh, this is a comic book for kids. You could quite go into all of uh, her seduction, but uh, she still tries to do stuff. And she still screams rape when uh, Steve catches them and uh, Steve beats him in the head with a rock instead of an axe. So again, they just kind of up the violence a little and it ends with Steve in the log as uh, Ted starts chopping it in half with an axe and uh, Liz, Liz's face as she knows she's next, which is actually kind of worse to get chopped in half with an axe. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. You know, the chainsaw at least kind of just cuts right through and does its job. The, the axe uh, that's going to take a while. Uh, but so, yeah, it's the exact same story. Uh, this this episode felt more like a Tales from the Crypt comic strip than just about any of the other ones we've watched. And I think that's part of the reason why I like this one so much. Because remember, my introduction to Tales from the Crypt was the comic. And so that's what I look for a lot of times. Uh, it's, a, it's a good little comic. But uh, I, I like where they took it. Just jazzed it up a little bit. Nice. All right. Any uh, parting thoughts before we go to our ranking? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Bob, uh, scale of one to five, you can do half points. Five being best, zero being the worst. What do you rate this episode? I'm I'm going to give it a three. Like I said, it just it ignited my thirst for more tales from the crypt. Also, my anger that I just can't go get them all on DVD, or <laughs> yes. I've got to go to alternative sources to to watch them, but. You know, it it reminded me of of being a kid and watching it and getting sanctioned by my father to watch something that probably my mom would not have gone for. (laughs) (laughs) So that alone, that gives me a three. I probably would have gone to a 2.5. But the memory of everything that that went with it is puts it at a three. I mean, I, you know, Brian James was good. I, I love the kicker at the end. I just wanted a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like a burger is still a burger. Sometimes you can have a really good burger, and sometimes you can just have eh, it's just a burger. Like you this. know, so that, that. Kind of thing. All right, Jody. Yeah, I'm gonna go up a little bit because, like I said, I really enjoyed uh, feeling like it tells from. You know, you uh, Bob, you said that you were probably about 14 watching this. Yeah, this felt like an episode made for a horny 14 year old boy. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, did, that's I what, did do a hey oh when uh, <laughs> when the when the towel came down. 
Yeah, th- um, this th- that's the, that's the intended audience for this, and you know what? I I still like it. It's still fun, uh, <laughs> and so I'm gonna go with a four on this one. Wow, you know, it's not top tier, but it's I really enjoyed it. Mondo, I'm gonna go right in between at a three and a half, and, and one of the reasons are when I was a young man. Uh, not 14, but young. Uh, this is one of the first episodes I ever remember watching of Tales of the Crypt. I very vividly remember this episode. And um, uh, like you kind of said, Jason, I think if this came out in season six or seven, we'd be raving about, oh, God, give us a good episode, finally. Uh, but the fact that it's gotten sandwiched in between these just really phenomenal episodes of Tales of the Crypt that were kind of just uh, very lukewarm on it. I think three is a great score. I think four is a great score. I got to go right in the middle. Three and a half. Great episode. Not top tier, but solid. All right. Um, in my head, like before we were record, before we start recording, I wasn't going to go with a two. I just. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. But you know what? Jody's brought me around a little bit. And yes. also, it occurred to me, I was never bored watching it. Yeah. A lot, no of, time. A lot no of times. A lot of times. Yeah, a lot of it I was kind of like, oh, this isn't great, but at least like it's at least I'm paying attention. Um, so I'm gonna go with the three. You brought me up a whole point, Jody. Woo! Um, Got that power. <laughs> power frustration. But yeah, this might be one of the more diverse diverse episodes we've uh, reviewed as far as our opinions. But yeah, yeah, I feel like that's appropriate. Alrighty, moving on. Jody, uh, Mondo, give us your uh, song of the day. Okay, so I'm going to go with a band that came out in the late 80s. uh, And they've been around. They stopped their career in about the 2000s. They're not a great band. I'm not going to pretend like you probably should never listen to this song. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, The (laughs) records were kind of... uh, So this band was really into horror films. So all their albums had all these intros of some really cool, like obscure horror films, especially back when they were like really starting their craft in their late, well, really early '90s when they put their full lengths out into the late '90s and early 2000s, when it wasn't just like, oh, you've already seen all these films, so you can find them on YouTube. Um, they had a lot of really cool intros, and obviously wore the wore their love of the genre on their sleeve. Uh, their band from New York called Mortician, uh, fronted by Will Romer who started a whole group out there called NYDM, which is a New York death militia. Um, just a bunch of death little bands getting together to do shows together and whatnot. Really fucking odd, dude. I met him out here at the Boston back in like 2006 out here in Las Vegas. And uh, I got to the show and the stage was not even ready to, like, as in, when I say that wasn't ready, people were actively using table saws to cut it up. <laughs> and I said, what's happened? He goes, I don't know. We got here and they gave us money and said, maybe you don't get to play tonight. Uh, but he was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was a nice guy, though. Uh, but in, two, in 1999, they released at least my favorite record of theirs. When I say my favorite record, it's, I'll throw it on just to hear some really cool horror movie intros <laughs> with then a bunch of noise with a guy going over it because you can't understand a fucking word he says. Uh, but I'll go with, but the record is called Chainsaw Dismemberment from 1999. <laughs> And I'll go with the track off there, Psychotic Rage, which I think is maybe a minute long if you're lucky. So, uh, Song of the Week, Psychotic Rage, because there, are some, there was some psychotic rage in this episode. Uh, from the band Mortician, from the album Chainsaw Dismemberment. And if you look at their album cover of that, it's very Texas Chainsaw influenced. 
They, they had other records like Hacked Up for Barbecue. I think their final record is called the uh, the Last Bloodbath Section. Oh, sorry, Final Bloodbath Sessions from like mm. 2004. And I don't think they've done anything since except for just some random stuff here and there. They still play live. Like if you're in New York, uh, like our, our friend Allison's in New York, she should go see. She should not go see Mortician. But, no, uh, <laughs> doesn't but, uh, seem like her vibe. But they're there <laughs> if she wants to see them. They're not really my vibe anymore either. But um, uh, I like the fact though that they were just again. Uh, it was kind of cool is that crossover with metal and horror. It's always warms my heart when I see that. No, uh, no Monty Python this week. Did I do Monty Python last week? No, but I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lumbersexual and I'm okay. <laughs> it's been in my head all day. <laughs> what lumbersexuals? All right, Jody. Who is for some trivia? Speaking of head, um, we're gonna. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, quick little bit of trivia for this one. Uh, several people have talked about the setting. I love the setting. I love the being out there in the woods. It looks like the Pacific Northwest, and that's because it is. Some of these same sets were used in Twin Peaks. And uh, so if uh, you enjoy the lumberjackiness of Twin Peaks with the mill and everything, uh, you've got some of that same area out here. Um, so maybe maybe one of those logs that was cut became someone's favorite log and she carried it around everywhere. Who knows? <laughs> you know, Jordy, do you know where that was filmed? I do not know specifically. Like in I just Washington know that some of the sets were also used for Twin Peaks. That's all I've got on that one. All right, well, I'm going to Google where Twin Peaks was filmed. You know, what's yeah. really, you know what's really sad? Is when someone says the term Twin Peaks to me, my thought is the old show. Even mm-hmm. though I've never seen it. With our younger audience, if we have a younger audience, all they can probably think of is a super misogynistic restaurant. <laughs> that is true. It does exist. All right. It was filmed in the old lumber town of North Bend, Washington, about 30 miles east of Seattle. Oh, shit. Okay. There you go. So I, I have not been to the east of oh. Seattle. Uh, Bend, Oregon. I uh, think they still have the last blockbuster. No, oh. no, that no, that's this is North Bend, Washington. North Bend. There's okay. Bend, Bend, Bend Oregon is a yeah. So oh, it's a whole different thing. What's crazy yeah. is there's a Bend, Oregon. Mm-hmm. There's also a North Bend, Oregon that's like a hundred miles away from Bend, Oregon, <laughs> and then North Bend, Washington is like three hundred miles from that. It's so none of it makes sense. <laughs> no. Can I also spent... say that it was that they did some filming in some place called Snoqualmie. Oh, which um, is just a uh, great name. My company, I've been to Snoqualmie. There you go. Yeah, my company does the some casinos. That actual casino called Snoqualmie. Snoqualmie, <laughs> Washington. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. If you ever want to visit the set of uh, this episode, wander through the woods in Snoqualmie, you'll well, probably walk across it at some point. There's a casino there, and what I will tell people is everything around there is just pretty fucking cool. Like we do some casinos up there, and one of them is right by a little town called Poolsbo, which is also known as Little Norway. Hmm. Uh, so hmm. there's some all kinds of little rad cities up there, and if you haven't done it. If you ever go to Seattle and want to go to a smaller city, you have two choices to take the bridge or the ferry. Take the ferry. The ferry is so much fun. Just saying. All right. Well, that moves us to uh, diet advice. And Bob, you're our guest. So uh, hit us with what you got. 
Well, the first piece of dad advice I have, I actually I recently discovered it, and I, I got it from Bruce Lee. Um, and he said, instead of buying your children all the things you never had, you should teach them all the things that you were never taught. Ooh. And material mm. wears out, but knowledge stays. So I thought that was uh, – it's something that I've been trying to you know, remember. And you know, it, it, when I get to those points with my son, uh, who's just two and five months – so I'm, you know, preparing myself for those moments uh, now. But I, it really stuck with me. And I think I just saw it like, you know, scrolling through something on Instagram. And I was like, yeah. that's actually really good. Like, yeah, I, I like that, that makes, a lot. Me too. It makes a lot of sense. Um, but as as far as, as my own dad advice would be, it would be to tell my children, my son, if, if I have another one, you know, what, a, a daughter or whatever, is to, uh, to take chances and to not, not just settle. Um, I didn't take enough chances uh, when I was growing up. I always played it safe. I always did, well, you know, instead of doing the crazy thing, I always did the safe bet. And I, I fortunately, I applied that to too much of my life and did all the safe, safe uh, choices until I got much later in life and then I met this woman who I had, you know, I, I knew I could not live without and I did everything um, I knew I had to do to to be with her and, you know, we're married and now we have a two-year-old son and that 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 choice, that chance that I took influenced me from that point on and then I just started making all of the the, the – the, the right choices for myself and taking those chances. So take a chance. Don't, don't always worry about what's the safest bet. You know, if you're not going to take the chance on a job you want or playing a sport that you want to do, or, you know, going off and being a painter, you're never going to know. You're never going to know. So you've got to take the chance and learn from those mistakes. And if you don't learn from the mistakes and you're not learning anything, you know, if you're not taking a chance, you're not going to fail and you need to fail to succeed. Yeah. So that's that's my dad advice is to take take chances, don't always play it safe and, you know, learn from those mistakes. So that's the dad advice I'm going to pass on to my son. And I'm going to say, look, it worked out. You're here. So, you know, <laughs> awesome. I'm happy you're here. Your mother's happy you're here. I'm happy I'm with your mother. So and if I wouldn't have taken that chance, you wouldn't be here today. So I've got a good, you know, flip side to it. So I can say, here we are. Yeah. Um, but that's that's my dad advice, you know, to, Teach your kids to take chances and, you know, enable them to take chances and tell them you're going to fail, but eventually you're going to succeed. You're going to learn. Mm -hmm. So that's my dad advice. Well, you know what? Well, the call, not the qualifier, but the, the amendment, obviously like take chance and moderate in, well, be moderate in, in that in in both ways. Cause sometimes there's chances you should not take. Well, yes. Like, don't getting, jump getting into a getting into a car with someone who might have been drinking right. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah 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 so it's yeah. so it's like teaching them which chances are the ones that are worth it right right i'm a i'm a, a cop's more. kid too so that's it's mm -hmm. yeah. you know all your whole life is you know within the law and staying safe and doing those kind of things so you know i'll have that too <laughs> yeah right. you know so, you know one one thing i think helps kids take chances is if they know that, you know, you go out there, you try things, you take these risks, like, you know, you, let's say, say you want to be an actor and you want to move out to LA. If they know that on the flip side of it is mom and dad are still there, like you're still there. If you fail, we're still with you. We're still supporting you. We're still backing you up. 
And, you know, if you need to come back at some point, we're always available. I think having that safety net of mm-hmm. parents who are encouraging them to take those chances helps people do that, too. I like, they're, they're willing to step out because they know that if something goes wrong, they, they at least have that safety net. I, I, I've talked about here before, like, uh, my parents were drug addicts, alcoholics, and, you know, I didn't have that safety net. So I've always told my daughter, like, I am excited to be that safety net for you. To where yeah. again, like like Bob said, go take those chances. If something doesn't work out, I have a room right here that you can come right yeah. back to. Go and, try, and, go try stuff. And, and We're here tonight. Like I'd rather you do those things and try to live your life to the fullest than to pull back because you're worried about X, Y, and Z. Because I'll always be here. I'll always help you figure it out. Yeah. Like I'm. Well, you're talking about being an actor. I remember I was just an interview with John Krasinski, and his mm-hmm. his parents said, you know, go out try it for i think it was like two or three years and then you know come back and he gave it that shot and he like but was just auditioning all the time but he was also waitering and stuff and then like he was literally packing his bags to go home because he figured he'd give it the two years and then like the week before he was scheduled to go home he got the call about the office yeah and that was it i mean i I have my current job parents his parents supported him they gave him a chance to to go out there and say go do it pursue it you know I, I worked for apple for almost 10 years for my current job and apple was a it's what trillion dollar company to the company i work for now we make 13 million dollars a year which is a big stark difference um and i got the job because i was the bar one day just having a beer and met the right person and took the leap and i would never look back mm-hmm. and so yeah. a lot of times that chance that you think like that, that jump you think, whatever, the chance you think I shouldn't take might be the one you should take the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You never know. Yeah. Again, we're, we're, we're a bunch of uh, uh, older gentlemen uh, giving this advice, but I think we have a little bit of experience where I think we can give this <laughs> advice. Like, um, I think we've probably all been in the state where we look back at our lives and like, man, what would have happened if I'd have twisted this way? And that's not a, that's not a bad thing, right? I don't think any of us regret where we're at now. I'm, glad that i'm where i'm at now and i made the decisions i have the people in my life that i have now um but i do think though like it's cool to be able to give our children that say like you said the safety net for them to fail and and to still be there and be like all right it's totally cool we'll be here uh, we'll be here no matter what all yeah. right uh that wraps up another episode bob thank you so much for coming on tonight you, um where can people follow you and go find the colonial well, you can you can visit us at thecolonialtheater.com, and we spell uh, theater uh, with an R E, not an E R. Nice. Um, but if you if you're really interested in Blobfest, you can type in blobfest.com. It'll take you right to the Colonials direct page of the Blobfest. Sign up for our newsletter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We have all that stuff. We post, you know. Um, all of our events are on Facebook. Each one has its own like event category thing, you know, costume contest, tattoo contest, all those kind of fun things. Um, and then we keep the pages going throughout the year. There's always articles about the blob or Steve McQueen. And we kind of give you hints of what's coming. Um, it's, it's a fun event. You can bring your family to it. There's something for the kids. There's something for you. If you're a movie nut, there's, you, can, you can get a pass for the whole weekend and see all, everything. Um, if you're into 50s, like rockabilly and the dressing and everything, we have a blob ball on Friday night. After love the it. run out, we have a separate ticket with a live band. You come into the theater, 
We have a, a marble floor concession stand. This is the building we bought next door. So we didn't change the inside of the original theater. We actually bought the building next door and we turned that into a dance floor. Mm, cool. So we do have a lot of other things going on um, throughout the weekend. It's really something for everybody. Uh, initially for me, when I first started just going as a patron, it was the double features. I wanted to see all the movies and I wanted to buy all the fun stuff on the street. Now it's it's about interacting with the fans and seeing people who are like family. Every year it's like the family reunion. We get together. We have a good time. I see the alien and we go out for a beer afterwards. <laughs> you know, we, we do all that kind of stuff. And it's just – it's been three years now since we've been in person. And two years virtual was fun. It was a lot of work. But it wasn't, it wasn't the same. It wasn't seeing your family and your friends – and making new family and friends. And we've made a lot in the last two, three, uh, last two years virtually, and people are ready to come and visit. So, Mondo, if you're coming, you know, there is some places to stay. Um, we do have them listed on the website yep. of, you know, where you want to stay. Um, uh, the mainstay in fills up pretty quick, but you'd literally be a half a block away. Like, you could just walk right down. Um, so there is that. There's lots of Airbnbs if you want to stay. But I do recommend staying for the entire uh, weekend. There's just lots of fun stuff. They even have a 5K on Sunday morning <laughs> um, that's put on by a local running group called the Runnegades. And they actually, in the past, they've had little blobs that you'd have to run around awesome. you know, cool. to, to be part of it. And then you got a little blob you know, medallion that you did the run. So it's really something for everybody. And there's dances and things at, at night and there's bands playing and, you know, you find some great stuff on the, in the street fair. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's just awesome. But we have a lot of, a lot of fun. We have a host dash daring um, who will host you through the weekend. Like Aurora Gorealis does Friday night, but dash is your MC all day Saturday for the events. And if there's anybody who loves Blobfest to the pinnacle of how you, much you can love Blobfest, it's Dash Daring. And he's just your intrepid reporter who's going to tell you where the blob is, what's going on, and how much fun you know you should be having because you have a lot of fun. And, um, my goal is three days. I'm definitely not doing a 5K. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you guys ever have a Blobfest grappling competition, let me know. I'm in. I'll sign up for that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, rock climbing. Yeah, that'd be great. You fall no, no, into a big uh, jello. Uh, not ro- a grappling. I'm a, I'm a jiu-jitsu guy, so. Oh, uh, okay. I don't want to run or climb. I just want to choke people unconscious. If they, uh, <laughs> no. and, and, the then, and, and then have a beer afterwards and friendship. Um, but, uh, no, I'm super stoked. I really am. Like, I, I'm not joking when I say it. it's one of those fests I've read about for so many years through, through more through Fangoria, mm-hmm. uh, Bloody Disgusting, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I'll, I'll, unless... Unless I'm not in good health, which I doubt. I'm a pretty healthy guy. Um, I'll be out there this year, hopefully, to see you guys. Super well, it's, it's that chance to sit in a movie theater where mm-hmm. the people yes. are attacked. You're yeah, watching so cool. a movie where right behind you, the thing would have been coming out and getting you. And it's very rare that you can do that. Sure, you can watch True Romance <laughs> at, the, at the Vista in L.A., but that's supposed <laughs> to be like Detroit, so it's not the same thing. Um, but this is that moment, and then if you actually get to run out, you're, you know, you're, you're living that moment. Now, we do close the, – the streets will be closed – all summer long on the weekend. So if you didn't make it out and you showed up for one of our other events that we had <laughs> you can uh, that <laughs> Saturday or whatever, you'd be able to run out of theater and like, oh, I'm still doing it, but you wouldn't have to worry about cars 
I'm just by. Uh, the, the the ushers might get mad too, and people, people ushers might get mad as you disrupt their movie. But <laughs> you you'd I, be surprised what we what our ushers are able to put up. With. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like someone who owns like a flower shop across the way, and just at random times during the day, people just come screaming out of the theater next it's, door. I've seen it. It's kind of weird, but you know, <laughs> like people who are you know they're in September and they're like, we're gonna run out, and they run out, and like guys, there's cars out there. What are you doing? Just make a quick right. <laughs> So That's we awesome. do have uh, a blob shirt that we sell year round uh, in our little concession stand slash like gift shop. So we do have if if you didn't make it out and you still wanted some blob stuff, we do have like a book right. and magnets and all that kind of fun. I, stuff. I might need to order a blob cool. shirt. You just come yeah. out too, Jason. You too, Jody. Okay. It's nothing else. There's nothing else. <laughs> I, I would love. I don't, to. I don't have. Freak, I don't schedule, have enough yeah. freaking uh, flyer miles. <laughs> There's, there's really nothing like it. It's really, really different. Yeah. So I, w- I would love to come. Just, uh, I've, I've already got one film fest lined up this year, hopefully. So I'm, okay, I'm, but, I'm hoping but, I can make that one help. That's like two hours of your house, though, right? That's it, a is, drive. it is, but still, <laughs> you still got to pay for it. <laughs> well, you make a plan, like three years. Then you're like, yeah, yeah I'm going to do it. There we go. There you go. You got to make that plan. All right. Um, again, thank you, Bob, for coming on. It's a blast. Thank you for having me. Uh, next week, we will be reviewing episode Deadline. We appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, we would really appreciate it if everyone would give us a rating review on iTunes and a rating on Spotify. And with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. Adios. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or I will follow you to the grave. <laughs> no, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs>